Hello and welcome to another episode of Free Lunch by the Peak, the podcast where we talk to people way smarter than us about the most important topics in Canadian business, economics, and policy. I am your co-host, Taylor Scollin. And I'm Sarah Bartnika. So Sarah, I wanted to talk to someone this week who I think is doing some important work in a space that I spend a lot of time thinking about, I care a lot about, which is the crisis, some might say, facing uh, young men in particular in our society when it comes to to mental health. A study came out just recently by a nonprofit called Equimundo and reported, I quote, many men, especially younger men, are socially disconnected, pessimistic about the future, and turning to online anger. They're facing higher rates of depressive symptoms, suicidal thoughts, and a sense of isolation, as seen in the agreement of 65% that, quote, no one really knows me well. You know, I think when you take studies like this with trends we're seeing in suicides and deaths of despair, it paints a really troubling picture of what's going on with men in our society right now and with men's mental health. And today seemed like a good time to talk to someone who's doing something to try to fix that. All the data you mentioned points to what is a full-fledged crisis. And, you know, on the surface, it might seem a bit weird that we're doing an episode, particularly on the problems impacting men. You know, it's a hard time for a lot of people these days. Definitely, you know, women are still behind in some ways. But it is such a timely, timely, timely time to do it, you know, as we think about our dads, as we think about the men in our life. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest today. And I was introduced to uh, our guest by a previous guest who highlighted some of the the work that he was doing and thought he'd be great to have on to chat about this. So Matt Jenneru is joining us today. He's the member of parliament representing Edmonton Riverbend. And he also is the founder of the High Dad Foundation, which raises awareness about mental health for young men and provides some resources they can seek out. So Matt Jenneru, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. No oh, pleasure. Thanks for having me on. So we're talking about men's mental health pretty broadly today, but I want to start with your foundation, the High Dad Foundation. Can you tell us what that is, why you got interested in this topic, and just give us an overview of your work in this area? Yeah, for sure. The So the, going back about uh, you know, six years is when we had our, our first kind of step into to this area. I gave a speech in the the, um, the House of Commons about the, the stigma attached to men's mental health and how lots of men feel unmanly to, to go and talk about their, their mental health. And at the time, uh, we said, you know what, we need to raise awareness. So we started an event uh, called Fathers in the Hill. Uh, it happens every year around this time. Uh, it's happening uh, on uh, June 14th, uh, tomorrow, um, for, uh, for the sixth, uh, sixth straight year. Um, but, you know, after doing this for, uh, for, for a number of years, we, we said, you know what, there's a, a gap out there in terms of, of in, encouraging men, like from the awareness and stigma side to go and talk about their, their mental health, but also the amount of resources that are available, the amount of, uh, ability to, to go into male dominated workplaces and have the discussions about, you know, it's, it's okay to, to, to sit down and, and talk about your, your, your feelings and, and really reach out to, to men in a, in a way that, uh, you know, is, is right now is, is, it's done by other organizations, but it's kind of done as as a byproduct of a 
big organizations. So, for example, Mental Health Commission of Canada does amazing work. They do. They are a partner of us with our event. They do some mental health uh, uh, work for for men, but they also do a bunch. Of, they do mental health for for women. They do it for for kids. They do post pandemic work. They do a lot of uh, case studies. You know, from from us, we recognize there's that that sole focus on on men and in breaking down that stigma in a place like politics is uh, was something that was desperately needed. Why do you think, and I guess this leads into sort of some of these broader issues, but why do you think that stigma exists? I mean, we've all probably become more familiar with mental health over the past, you know, five years or so. It's become something that's generally less stigmatized in society, but, you know, for men, it seems to have more more power still so why do you think that men in particular struggle with that yeah you know i'm i'm no no expert uh, taylor I, you know i know from my own personal experience you know when i uh, i have two two beautiful daughters they're uh, they're 15 and 14 and when lily was born my my second daughter uh, for me it was you know a, a real eye opener i had you know i was going through a lot of uh, anxiety and and depression personally at the time uh their mom uh was was hospitalized uh too and she from uh, from postpartum depression and she it was basically me and uh my two daughters for a significant period of time and trying to figure out how to manage that but also deal with my own personal feelings and then also you know take care of uh the girl's mom uh at the time the best of my ability felt you know, there wasn't a lot of places to, to, to go. And I remember trying to sit down and talk to, to some of my friends, you know, over a beer and say, you know, like, I'm really feeling this is, uh, is, uh, is a tough time. And I remember every single one of them saying, you know, like, you shouldn't be talking about this because you're, you know, at the time my wife, you know, it's since led to our divorce, but at the time my, my wife, she's like, she's in the hospital. She's the one dealing with postpartum depression. Um, you know, how dare you talk about this stuff? And I didn't want to take away from that. I was, I recognized that that was absolutely something that she was going through. So from, you know, from my perspective, trying to figure out, well, who do you talk to and, and how do you figure out a, a path through this? Uh, you know, that, that would have been back. Lily was born in, um, in uh, 2009, uh, but trying to figure out a path through that was uh, was difficult. And I think, you know, if I can reflect on that experience to answer your question. I think you know, a lot of, of guys kind of get in this this spot where you know you go and you you start to open up your your feelings to maybe the buddy you play hockey with or the guy you have a beer with or something. And uh, there's a lot of that uh, natural reaction to say, you know what, like like. like it's it's not something we talk about like let's talk about sports let's talk about politics let's you know let's talk about something else and i think it's just that uncomfortableness of it and for whatever reason it's uh you know that men have have suffered a lot um in the, in the mental health space for a long time so it, you know hoping that uh, that some of these conversations can help kind of change some of that talking about mental health support seems like a really important place to start to kind of solve some of the problems that men are facing. And I hope that we can get into that. But I also want to talk a little bit about some of the broader problems that boys and men are facing today. I mean, especially coming out of the pandemic. But, you know, we're seeing new data kind of piling up that points to how boys and men are like not really doing okay, right? We're seeing education attainment rates going down. We're seeing suicide rates go up. We're seeing, you know, mental health, as we've just been talking about, suffer more broadly. So can you 
unpack for us, I guess, like more broadly, what are some of the problems that boys and men are facing? Yeah, no, that's and that's really the the essence of what you know. I, I think the the conversation it, it, it's uh, it's 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 changed since the pandemic, in, in in my opinion, where I think more and more people are starting to recognize exactly what you you said uh, uh, there, Sarah. The 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 like the the, the statistic of of there's four thousand suicides in Canada, and seventy five percent of those are men, and that's a, that's a wild number to 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 think about. That you know, a, what's a third of, of men uh, feel that uh, you know they're they're suffering from from mental health, and knowing that that's something that people don't generally like to talk about, I can only assume that number is much higher than that. So all, like all of that, you know, compounding itself in a in a space where. You know, there's there's the added pressures of on you know, say um, being the the um, the male of the household in, in some cultures. Uh, so you know that adds into it. But you're thinking about you know, what men are are going through, and some of them are you know very successful. Like you you hear of of lawyers, like accountants committing suicides. You know, I often think about the the guy who was the uh, Ellen DeGeneres's. Um, um, Twitch uh, was, was his name. Uh, I think his her her DJ um, a dance partner there on her show. He committed suicide. He seemed, from outward perspective, seemed very healthy and and very accomplished. And the obviously the pressures were were so much on him that he took his own life. And you know, I think that's behind those numbers are all those individuals that are are starting to become you know increasingly scarier since the pandemic. When you start to look at these metrics around you know, deaths of despair around falling educational attainment, these sorts of things, you do see them trending up. And I'm curious what you think is responsible for that, because we, I think this issue of men struggling to communicate with each other and talk about what's going on in their lives, that's been around for a long time, right? But recently we have seen some of these problems start to become worse and worse and worse why do you think that is you know what i what i feel what i see and then talk to and a lot of people is you're looking at where like what's changed i guess is from you know like 30 years ago to today Mm -hmm. i think a big part of the the pressures on on individuals and this isn't just for men but individuals as uh, is is social media i think uh, social media plays a a huge role and anxiety my personal anxiety every time i post something you know you kind of have almost that that post um, post post regret saying oh my gosh did i you know spell this right or did i say this or whatever you know i I don't that's not that's not unique to men but i think you know adding on top of a lot of the the pressures and you know let's pick a a, you know still a male-dominated uh uh, workforce is politics and it is a i i think one where you're living in the spotlight a a ton you know look at professional sports again you know more male-dominated than uh than than women again you know in living in the spotlight a lot more so i think you know you can look at at things like social media adding to a lot of it there's also the um I, I would suggest, you know, the uh, some of the stuff that uh, um, Sarah um, uh, pointed out, you know, the, the the gender gaps and part of the the gender gaps are, you know, I think are going in the right direction. They're they're, they're closing. You know, a dad of two daughters. You know, I'm excited to to kind of see uh, that, but they still exist. And now you have men in this place of 
of that competition of where it's going, you know, that, that also adds on added pressures. So, you know, the, the, the way that, um, that we've, we've gone in a, in a direction of, you know, the, I would say, I guess that the pressure of, of once was a, um, a man would leave a house and you know maybe not return for a week or depending on his job a salesman would go out and, and do that those are that's way different now and it's you know better in my opinion but like it's way different than what uh, it it used to be and you know uh, the adjustments to that lifestyle i'm i'm sure have had impacts on on certain men uh than than others yeah that's interesting there was a study that came out last week by this nonprofit called Equimundo. I don't know if you saw it, but they surveyed a bunch of young men about different questions related to the subject. And one of them was about whether they feel a sense of purpose Mm -hmm. or not. And uh, a majority of them said no, that they don't have a sense of purpose. And that seems like a, a new thing to me like as you were saying it used to be pretty clear what the purpose was now it's not so clear and maybe that's a good thing in some ways but maybe it also poses some challenges I, i'm curious in the you know you work in politics so you see people who are often pretty ambitious professionals is that something that you've noticed uh as a as a phenomenon or how, what's your view on that yeah that's like that's a really good question um yeah you know the the, the sense of purpose like the 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 a- ambition of you know we we employ a lot of uh like young people i guess on, on parliament hill and you you see it and you see it with a lot of the the young men you know wanting to to run for politics and you know be the prime minister yesterday and you know it's uh i can certainly you know, get that sense of that uh that ambition exists i like to think i'm still young but you know, i'm probably not as as young as uh as them so i, I depending on the scope of, of the study reference, you know, I would, would tend to probably think that there's, there is a lot of that, like, well, you know, I've, I've seen, you know, these other, you know, in, individuals, you know, rise up to, to, to be prime minister or say whatever your, your goal is, you know, and I, it doesn't seem in my, my pathway. So how, how, you know, how the heck can I, uh, fill that purpose of what I've, I've always wanted to do? Yeah. You know, it's, um, I, I, I don't think, I don't. I don't think we're we're going to to change that necessarily. But it's allowing what those those you know, let's just say young boys are are feeling and experiencing, knowing that there are resources available, knowing that there here's a here are are certain certain pathways you guys can can take to to find a, a way out of this you know lack of purpose or or, or sense of self or whatever they they feel because you know the, the thing we haven't talked about is you now this, this is mental health like talking about like young professionals and and that 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 workspace. But then there's a whole mental illness piece to it, and that's you know like the downtown Vancouver, like what uh, what happens? You, know, you become addicted to, you go down the the spiral to you know fentanyl or, or, or other street drugs. Uh, so you know the, all of this, I think, is is all interconnected in a lot of ways. And it you know how do you how do you now take those boys with that have that sense that lack of sense of purpose and hope that they don't go down this path of that you know the the living on East Hastings uh, Street, uh, you know, because of that lack of sense of purpose, and you know that that touches on on homelessness, that uh, you know, on crime and, and violence, and and other intersections of of so many other elements of society. My question is, I think, around the fact that households have changed so much in the last few 
decades and particularly like the economic contributions of households. And for example, sake, let's just say, obviously, like a, a male and a female household. And I, I want your opinion on this, uh, Matt, because I imagine that, you know, um, you, you know, you're a guy and, and surrounded by guys that, you know, are in these roles where, you know, you're, you're going out to work every day and, you know, you're making money for, for the family. And in some sense, from my perspective, it would seem that as women kind of uh, earn more, I don't know, power from the sense of like an earning perspective where they're contributing more, it would seem like that would maybe alleviate some pressure and that there would be some sort of collective benefit that would be unlocked from that. And I, I'm wondering about your perspective on that. Do you think that that has been, you know, that there is a collective benefit? Do you think that's been hard for some um, for, for some men or, or how does it kind of shake out in the sense of how those dynamics are changing? I, I think that's, you know, a, a, a fantastic question. And, you know, full disclosure, my wife is a surgeon. A, she makes way more money than I do. And she brings, I think that uh, she calls politics my hobby to be, um, to be completely uh, uh, clear. <laughs> um, but it's from, from, uh, you know, that that perspective, you know, you you go back, you know, for, let's say forty years, and are having a a, a quote unquote breadwinner, and uh, in the house, that's the 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 wife or the the female, uh, instead of you know the 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 male, you know, is like I I can only imagine the the what sort of stigmas existed back then to to that and what men would feel when it uh, came to to that so I, I I think the the direction of where it's it's going or like I could say it's gone in in a lot of ways that there's not that I'm not um, going and 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 saying you know oh geez I wish I would make more money than than her you know it's a, it's a pride thing I think a lot of that's gone from the past but I think still like the you know, in in we're we're talking from a a perspective of you know I I grew up in Canada my entire life um, I, I I'll, I'll only you know paint it that we haven't talked about this but I'll only paint the fact that let's just say you guys also grew up in Canada your entire lives but then you take a lot of these cultural communities where they have maybe in the last like ten years somebody's moved here has now had like three or four kids are now living with the grand grandparents on on top of the the uh, the the younger generation, so it's like a three generation house. You know how how do they how do they insert themselves into that exact same point that that you say? And you know, from the cultural communities, there's also the the added stigma about uh, you know how you know suicides and and what that uh, what that means to to their um, to their pride. So yeah, it's a it's like an ongoing like where we're where we're going with this and. I feel like we're like it's there's there's a lot like the suicide numbers are are wild and they're 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 terrible and there's a whole bunch of, of negative space around that. But I think where we've gone as a society isn't all bad. And what what like to your point, Sarah, that there is there is more more to dissect from that conversation and you know how much of that is related to that you know again sense of pride or, or not. It's just hard to make sense of it too, right? Because it is, it comes into, you touched on something really interesting, which is this idea of like purpose. And when you look at, it's like, okay, why, you know, the world is really challenging right now. And there's challenges that come with, as you mentioned, with social media, media, just the overwhelming complexity of the world. And I, I struggle to wrap my head around why, well, it seems like 
in finding purpose, well, usually a pretty good indicator of, of someone maybe trying to find their purpose is like going back to some of those education rates, why, mm-hmm. right? It's yeah. like, why are women still kind of going out pursuing education? Why are women still, you know, going out and, you know, trying to um, work to kind of close the wage gap? And why is that sense of purpose kind of lacking in men specifically? I don't expect us to answer that question yeah. today, but that that gap is really interesting. Do you have any thoughts about that? Well, I think like it could go two ways. Like you, like to to your stats, uh, Taylor. Like it's, you know, there's there's lots of men that that feel don't feel that sense of purpose. But you know, does that mean they necessarily go down the path of having, you know, like a, a bad mental health episode? You know, feeling anxiety, depression, and you know, suicidal thoughts, or or do they, you know, figure out, okay, well, I don't have this sense of purpose, so now I'm going to to work to try to get to to where I feel there's that sense of purpose, and you know, it'd be it, that would be an interesting study to to continue on with that uh, uh, study that uh, you quoted, and you know, ten years from now, will where are those guys that uh, that they talked about? Um, yeah, like there, like there's 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 a lot to unpack in in um, in mental health, and I find it's it's so. Like it's it, it's gotten so to a, to a point where they're oh let's use the House of Commons for example again I can stand up in the House of Commons and say you know I am standing uh, for for better mental health in Canada I would get the entire House of Commons would would applaud it's a, not a controversial statement to to say that um, but you know unpacking that is to like well what exactly does that mean I think. You know, it's an easy thing for so many people to say, say, you know, I want to, to go and I want to help people and I want better mental health. Like, great. But like, what are you going to do about it? And like, what what exactly do you think needs to change uh, with it? And I think that's what um, what society governments, you know, people in general are, are struggling with is like, yeah, well, what do we want to do about it? And, you know, I often say this whenever I meet with a mental health stakeholder is that, you know, for years you guys have been telling us that we need to be aware of, of mental health, you know, raising mental health awareness, like mental health awareness has always been like the, the key things since the pandemic. It has, I, I think Canadians get it. Like, we're like, yeah, we're aware. Like we okay now, like, you know, we, we know that, you know, we need to let's talk or, or, you know, whatever the, the, the slogan is, but now what? And I think that's where a bunch of mental health organizations are struggling with and saying, okay, well now what, like now what do, now that we have everybody's attention, what do we want people to do with it? And I think that's the, that's where we're, we're going to see the organizations who get that are going to survive. And I think some of the other ones are going to, to say, well, yeah, I guess, you know, all we were was kind of there to raise the awareness uh, about this. Well, I mean, I think that raises uh, the question of, you know, what is the answer to that? Like, let me throw another stat at you that I found preparing for this. It was a report from the Survey Center on American Life. These are Americans. I'm going to assume the situation is largely similar in Canada. Found that 15% of men said that they had no close friends at all, which is up from 3% in 1990. I mean, if you have no close friends, I think it's safe to say that your mental health is probably not going yeah. to be that great. Yeah. How do you f- solve a problem like that? You know, I, I don't like it's I, as you're saying that I'm thinking about like, well, who would I classify my close friends? And I think about, you know, probably the guys that I'm closest with from, you know, like male friends, I probably haven't seen in like a couple of years. And, you know, we text every now and then and, you know, you're, you're semi, I guess, removed from, from them, but you know, the, they all live in kind of different cities. They all have their families and their kids. I guess I 
would hope that they'd be there for me if I try to call them and they try to call me. But you know, it's uh, like as you're saying it, I'm you know, I'm thinking like, yeah, they're I guess they're still my my close friends, but I haven't really given that much thought to, over the last little while. So yeah, so like, how do you how, how do you change it? Like I I think you know. If I were to go, to, say you and I were close friends, uh, Taylor, I feel we are close friends, but let's, uh, let's just pretend that we're close friends for a second. <laughs> podcast yes, friends. Podcast friends. Um, that we're, uh, say, say we sit down and I feel like, you know, maybe we've connected over golf, maybe we, we play hockey together, maybe there's something like that. But then I go and I sit down and I tell you, say, you know what, my... Um, my uh, uh, wife at the time was in the the, uh, the hospital suffering from postpartum depression, and you tell me, "Oh man, you gotta suck it up and like you know, like be manly or or, or say all the kind of the, the cliche things." You know, do I want to be your close friend? Still, probably not, right? So I think ultimately it's you know being able to give uh, give you know that that awareness piece and stamping out that stigma piece for guys is a is a big deal. So if I go to you and you say, "Hey, like you know, let's talk about it." And we sit down, like, I bet you become even better friends uh, uh, through that uh, situation. So it's, you know, where do you, your decision to either say tough it up or, hey, let's talk about it probably comes from, you know, either past experiences or maybe it's from, from getting resources from a mental health organization or something. You've probably, that's probably a good chance that's, that's where it comes from. So I, I, I think that's probably part of the answer, part of the solution to getting um to making sure that uh, that we have uh, we have friends in our, our lives. So. Have you, have you seen any interesting programs or initiatives? I guess that some of these organizations are working on that you think are are worth highlighting. Some of the stuff that um, Movember is doing is actually uh, fascinating. You think of Movember and you think of like prostate, right? You think of like growing the mustache in November, and you think like that's that's kind of uh, you know. A, it, that's it. But they're really, they've started playing in the last uh, three or four years in the mental health space for men and, you know, raising the, um, the awareness through uh, like uh, different initiatives, like motorcycle rides or, or whatever. There's, there's a bunch of, of stuff that they do where they connect at with men where men are comfortable with, you know, getting on your motorcycle or, you know, sports is always kind of the more cliche common things to, to do. Uh, that reminds me too of, of uh, Black Daddies or downtown Toronto. They're they're cool. They're one of my favorite organizations. They're a, a group of guys that just started. Uh, they're uh, in uh, the black uh, community and in, in downtown Toronto. They start cutting each other's hair at the barber shop, and they just start talking about their feelings. And they realize, like, wait a minute, like you know, we were onto something here. People are coming in here just to talk about their feelings. Then they stopped. Uh, they all had families and whatever. So now they have, uh, you know, they used to have dinners in the back of the shop. Now they go to each other's houses and have have dinners and and stuff. But just kind of on like that real grassroots level, you know, these these guys found a way to to cut through kind of the noise with this stuff and said you know this is what uh this is what we uh we want to do and we find uh value in this just building on what you've been just talking about around just organizations doing great work are there any other interesting solutions that have come about and maybe some of the conversations that you know you've had in recent months years that you you know that you think would be kind of cool to to see and whether that's, you know, a, a new initiative, a policy change, something that would be on the uh, side of this issue that is more, I guess, like solution oriented um, rather than just awareness focused. Yeah, the um, 
so I always get told I'm an ideas guy, which probably means I can't implement them very well, but I've got a ton of ideas. So <laughs> a dreamer. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's that's maybe that's a better word. Um yeah. but yeah, the so I I think like identifying the the major problem being that there's like all the organizations we talked about, like they're I could find value in in all of them. Like I don't think there's really someone out in the mental health space that's out there for the money or, or whatever, because I could tell you, it's not the, the the space where there's a ton of money that's put into it, which may be part of the problem. You know, governments aren't funding it, uh, you know, enough or whatever. But I think the the biggest problem with all these organizations though is that they all operate in these these specific silos. So you know, the uh, the Mental Health Commission of Canada, CMHA, you know, the CAMMH, like a lot of the big ones, they all have every year they have their big annual event and they talk about their their, their policies and and kind of what they where they kind of see the future going. But as you know, as a politician who goes to all their kind of events, they're all like there's you could insert organization X with organization Y and not really have much difference. Like they're chasing, you know, the the grant research money and they're, you know, again, they're it's it's all good work. I I'm not trying to say it's not, but a lot of it's interchangeable in the fact because they're all working in these silos. So I think one of the the biggest things that that could happen to the mental health space, and I think one of the biggest things that could happen in here in Canada, I think we're ripe for it, is is how do you break down those silos and bring all of these organizations together, kind of pushing in the same direction so just instead of dangling like one big grant out here and saying hey here's a million dollars if you can if you can hit these different kind of check marks and you can you can provide these these services to canadians you know all of them apply for it and they all try to fit into you know oh shoot we need a psychiatrist on staff okay hey like you know come over here doctor or whatever and, and get you on on staff here so now we now we're qualified for this grant or or you know we need we need uh, um, another element over here bring that into and, and whatever so i i think if you if you if you if you're able to somehow bring all these guys together and i kind of have some thoughts on how you could do this but bring all these people together where say this is this is kind of our direction. This is Canada's direction. I think, man, we, we would we send out in the the world because you know there's everybody's struggling with this right now. Like the stats that you're quoted, uh, Taylor even said, like you know American stats. Like yeah, those aren't far off from from Canada. It just there's more people down there. It's that's the only difference you'd see. You know, Europe, same thing. You know, even even in a bunch of the the countries that are, are run with. Secret uh, um, uh, data uh, control. You know, you still see uh, suicides. You know, like like look at um, Japan and uh, and uh, Korea. Like there's there's a lot of suicides that uh, are coming out of uh, of those countries. So if, if we could figure this out, if we could get this get Canada into space where you know we're we're all doing this this stuff together, I you know I think you know I think that would be pretty wild what we'd be able to accomplish here. And um, so, so that's the, that's a big picture. Um, goal for uh, for where we could get to, you know. There's, I'm, I'm sure there's other small things that are escaping my uh, my thoughts right now. But um, yeah, I think if we could figure that out, it would be awesome. Okay, great. Well, Matt, I know we're close to the end of our time here. So if people want to learn more about the work that is going on at the Hideout Foundation and find more resources there, where should they go? Yeah, hideoutfoundation.ca. Um, you know, again, Hideout Foundation encourages uh, everybody to to reach out to their dad, um, to reach out to their their uncle, their grandpa, their their best friend, the guy they play hockey with, and you know, just say hi, like just you know, shoot them a text, say hey, like it's that's that's uh it's that simple and you know we we're doing a bunch of of other stuff we're actually i'm participating in some dodgeball tournament this weekend which will be 
totally fun um, uh, on behalf of Hi Dad. But um, yeah, Hi Dad's out there to again encourage people to to simply reach out and uh, check in on your your loved ones. We we choose Father's Day because it's you know it's kind of a day that's supposed to be about dad anyway. But um, you know we tie it into that and make sure that uh, you're you're saying hi or hey uh, this weekend. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us and taking the time. Really appreciate it. No, appreciate it, guys. Keep the great work. Okay, Sarah. Well, great to have Matt with us. Uh, it was great to hear about some of the work that he's doing and get kind of an introduction to this topic and hear about some of his firsthand experiences working in this space and seeing some of the problems that we talked about at mm-hmm. the top when it comes to these bigger society-wide trends. Yeah, a, a really great conversation and important work that Matt is doing. I think this conversation really just reminds you how big this problem is and how, you know, it's not really getting better anytime soon. And I'd be really curious to do a follow-up to this episode to talk about some of the broader problems that are at play that are really impacting boys and men and how that's really playing out in the economy, right? Particularly in, you know, the labor market where, you know, talking all about, you know, productivity, we're talking about purpose, we're talking about, you know, people feeling good in and outside of work and all of these things. Um, they're important because they, uh, they impact, you know, workers, they impact, you know, government funding, they impact so many bits and pieces. And so I'd, I'd love to have, uh, you know, someone else on who can dive into some of those issues as well. Yeah. No, it really touches so many different aspects of things that we talk about on the show, the economy, business, you know, society, generally culture it feels like we probably need like three or four different guests to speak to different parts of that in depth but well, i think there's so it's many definitely com- something that we oh. should do well there's maybe you can mute me out there but there's yeah. so many conflicting things as well too right like there is we've come out of this really strange time out of the pandemic which as everyone knows has amplified all the things that were bad and all the things that people were struggling with were made to be, you know, so much worse. And we're also at a time where the dynamic of households is changing a ton. And, you know, it's striking to me still how, you know, women seemingly are doing pretty well on the surface and men seem to be, you know, falling behind in really, really key metrics when it comes to overall kind of health well-being, wellness, education, you know, all the things that that really matter and all the things that kind of, you know, signify and, and measure someone's contributions to, you know, the economy, to the labor force, to their own individual group of friends. So really, really want to uh, unpack that uh, at some point. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this will not be the last conversation I think we have on this topic, but I think that's a good place to leave it for now. I think so too. Okay. Well, this has been another episode of free lunch by the peak. If you like this episode and want to hear more search for and follow free lunch by the peak, wherever you get your podcasts and we will see you next week. 